0: Now, this morning, there's breaking news. I want you to pay attention. Turn in your Bible to Matthew 28 and listen as God speaks to us. Say it with me. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Listen to the breaking news. In Matthew chapter 28, the first 10 verses. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door, and he sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake And became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, ye, for I know you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He's not here, for he's risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And so quickly, and go quickly, and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, as I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy, and they did run to bring his disciples the word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brothers that they go into Galilee. Galilee and there they shall see me. I want you to notice in this text something that's very, very beautiful. When people go looking for Jesus, they find him. He said, you tell the people, start looking for me, and I'll show up. That's just the way God is. Whenever God instructs us to seek me while I can be found... Call upon me while I'm near. When you do that, God always shows up. He said, I will in no wise reject you. I will in no wise cast you out. The news today is Jesus Christ is alive. He's great enough and strong enough to cope with any problem any of us have on this Easter Sunday morning. He is risen, King of kings and Lord of kings. Lords. Amen. It's sad today that most of our world looks to science, to education, politics, and even to their own personal opinion for truth. But Jesus said, I'm the truth and I'm the way. And today, as we gather here, and churches will gather all over the world, and religious groups will gather all over the world. It is our purpose to go away with a reminder of one absolute fact. Jesus Christ is alive. He is risen as he said. If you're a believer and you want to find truth, there's one source. It's called the Scriptures. Anything else is a secondary source and it will not be 100% accurate. But the Scripture... Is given to us by God. It is suitable for our doctrine. It is suitable to correct us. And anything that we search for, if we go to the scripture, we will find it very clearly presented. Here's the problem today we have left the scriptures and have gone to our own imaginations. We have tried to imagine the way we would like for it to be or that we think it is, or as we uh, come to a conclusion, maybe by just observing our culture of today. But when you look at the Scriptures, they're for every generation. Even though things change, there's one thing that does not or should not and in reality cannot change. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I found it interesting in looking at a little phrase that's found throughout Jeremiah. It began in Genesis. Let me read it to you from Genesis 6, 5. It says, God saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. Think about that in the garden. Think about that in our world today. When people start thinking on their own and begin to look at their culture and their generation, what are their conclusions as to what is the right thing to do? Well, certainly it must be what everybody is doing. But the truth is, no, no. We have vile imaginations. Man can think up the most unbelievable, horrendous things imaginable. In a clear mind. How do people turn to that? The prophet Jeremiah, it seemed to be real prevalent in his day. Let me just point out some things to you in the book of Jeremiah, third chapter, verse 17. At that time they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord, and all the nations shall be gathered unto it to the name of the Lord, to Jerusalem, neither shall they walk any more after the imaginations of their evil heart. In Jeremiah nine, fourteen, but have walked after the imaginations of their own heart. Jeremiah eleven eight, but they've walked every one in the imagination of their evil heart. In Jeremiah chapter thirteen, verse ten, the evil people refuse to hear my words. They walk in the imagination of their heart, and they walk after other gods to serve other gods and to worship them. In the 16th chapter of Jeremiah, verse 12, you walk every one after the imagination of your evil heart, heart, that they may not hearken unto me. And finally, in Jeremiah 18 and 12, and we will every one do the imaginations of his evil heart. He has said, there's no hope for you, Jeremiah told them, because you walk after the imagination of your heart. Remember this, folks. From the beginning of time and to the beginning of my life and yours, our lives are basically evil. We are created in a way that we are drawn to the bad much sooner than we are to that which is good and right. You don't have to teach your kids bad words. They will pick them up. You will not have to teach your children to ever disobey you. They come that way. They will lie to you before they ever talk. They'll make you think they got a dirty diaper when all they can do is just make a lot of noise. And then you check and you say, and they just kind of smile and say, gotcha. I came that way and don't you ever forget it. When I get to be 15, don't you ever forget it. When I get to be 25, don't you ever forget it. Man is basically evil. Folks, this thing about the resurrection was not something God just thought of and said, now that would be a nice story. I bet they'd just come to church every Sunday if I'd just send you to the world. Jesus did not come to this world to fill churches on Easter Sunday. He came to the world to pay for the problem that man has that's called S-I-N that we inherited from Adam and Eve. It had to be done this way. There was no other way. And so as we celebrate and celebrate we should, we must not forget the story, the reason, the whys. God has a plan from the beginning of time, and we are to walk in that plan. In the book of Proverbs, there's a passage of Scripture that we read many times If you like Proverbs, it's in the 6th chapter, verses 16 through 19. Six things the Lord hates, a seven are abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. And then it says, and hearts that devise wicked imaginations. God hates that. It would be so wonderful if every person could have the mind of God and the heart of God And the only way to do that is to have God live in us because, again, we have major, major problems. In Romans chapter 1, verse 20, it says, When they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, and they became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. You would think that the longer people lived, the easier it would be to become a Christian, but it's quite the opposite. If you will check history books, you will find that the longer people have lived, the further and further we drift back to our inheritance from Adam and Eve. Church attendance goes down. Bible reading goes down. Thinking consistently about spiritual things, not like it used to be. And God just lays it all out here for us on this Easter morning and says to us, now listen, my child, you better get a hold of this quick because my spirit will not always strive with you. I have done everything I can do, God would say to us. My son Jesus went because I asked him to come and pay for your sin. But you keep on. You keep on. You keep on wanting to go back. You want to go back to the old way. And you must understand the danger of that. Again, it's the way we think. The the Bible says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. It talks to us, for though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And look what it starts off with, casting down our imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We are to bring together in our life individually, in our church, in our nation, in our world, that we begin to have the mind of Christ, we think like Christ, and then we act like Christ because we follow Him, and when we fall, He picks us up, but we leave out from that majority rules kind of an idea and say, no, as for me, it's going to be different. I am going to follow Jesus. You see, today, the supernatural has been eliminated from the faith by many, just like the sign I just read to you. We don't believe the resurrection literally. Why not? Why not? Well, it just just doesn't seem possible. That's the reason we have faith. The just will live by faith. But yet the struggle goes on. And these zealous young disciples that came to follow Jesus, if you will remember and if you will study history of the original 12, only the Apostle John, to my knowledge, was not executed, or Judas took his own life by suicide. He rebelled, but the others kept going, and they knew one day I will be executed, but I'm following him. Do you have that kind of conviction? Do I have that kind of conviction? Is that really what the Lord requires of us? The zealous disciples thought that's the way it is. I have no choice. I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. And I don't understand all of it, but one day I will. I'll understand. But right now, it's one day at a time. Let me tell you something. What we're doing last night at the cross here next two services what churches are doing everywhere we're we're presenting what's called the Easter message but the Easter message is not just for Easter it's for every day of our life that's where we have trouble we do that once a year thing like the old preachers say we're like a bunch of Easter bunnies we just hop in and hop out and then we hop in next Easter and hop out And if we're really blessed, want to bless the church, we come at Christmas. But other than that, we just keep on like everybody else. This message, folks, is to be heard every day and believed every day. That's what our responsibility is. That's the reason we say at SageMont, we're to be living proof of what? A loving God. To who? To a watching world. Well, who's watching? Those that don't know him. They're still trying to figure it out. They don't understand. And the fact is, Jesus wants to come into every heart. Scripture says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. They don't all come, and he doesn't will them to be damned, but they are if they don't come. And So they choose not to. They choose not to. Isaiah 55, 9 says, For so the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. That's the God we serve. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. That's the reason you don't, don't want to ever be impulsive. Be still. No, he's God's. Take time to be holy. Back up a little bit. Slow down the calendar. Don't be, don't be overbooked into your daily itinerary. But have a moment to just sit down and rest and know that he is God's. Now, here's an absolute fact. Satan's desire is to make all of us his victims. God's desire is to bring to every one of us victory. He wants us to be the victor, not the victim. He wants us to be overcomers, not the overcome. He doesn't want us to be one of the statistics that is the majority, but he wants us to be who we are, not from Adam. But who we are, thanks to Calvary and an open tomb and a resurrected Lord and a soon coming King. There's a huge, huge difference. In 1 John 5, 4, it says, For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Got a question for you, Have you Are you being overcome, or are you an overcomer? I got a question for you. How easy is it for you to stand up for what you know at this time in your life to be the right thing to do? How you doing at it? Well, I've got good intentions. Well, that's encouraging, but how are you doing? How's your performance? When you have an opportunity to slip out into the other side, if you know that none of your peers will find out, or no one in your family will find out, how easy is it for you to go that way? You see, it's very difficult, folks, to realize how foolish we are and how smart the devil is. Amen. Now, it's easy for me to know God is smarter than me, but the devil's a lot smarter than me, too. He's the fallen angel. He's Lucifer. He is the one that has such power against all of us unless we have put on the armor of the soldiers of the cross. Are you doing that? Do you know anything about how to use the sword? This is the sword, the word of God. Or have you been convinced by the devil? I can't understand this. Even the King James, you know, say, I just can't understand that King. Oh, yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can. If you can understand English, you can understand the translations of the Scripture. Make sure you have a good one. But don't you ever think you can't understand God's Word. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, you will understand it because the one that wrote it will interpret it to you. Now, if you don't know the one that wrote it, then you're going to have trouble understanding because his ways are much higher than our ways. So what you have to do is take the simple stuff. You ready for that? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Any questions about that scripture? Are we included? The wages of sin is death to some of us, no, to all of us. All right. But whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is that tough stuff? Of course not. Except you repent, you're going to perish. Is that tough? Well, I don't know what the word repent means. It means to turn around, about face. I'm walking this way, I'm going to go that way. Anyone can understand the simple ABCs of salvation. All have have sinned. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess with your sins, ABC. And God will do the rest. Many of us need to confess that we believe God's at church. You know a lot of people come to church because they think that. Now, some religions teach that. But the New Testament doesn't teach that. You don't come to church to find God. God's everywhere. Everywhere. Omnipresent is the word. So God is with you not only when you're at church, but when you're away from church. Say, oh, goodness, I wish I'd known that 20 years ago. I'd act different when I was away from church than I do when I'm at church. When God lives in you, you act the same way away from church as you do when you're in church. Whether the other brothers and sisters are there or whether the preacher's there or not, it doesn't make any difference. God is there, but God doesn't stay at church. God goes with us wherever we go. God never intended His Word to be confined to the temple or to human hands. First Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you know that your body is a temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? Powerful, 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 powerful Scripture. The Bible says in the Great Commission, now you go, therefore, and tell the world that Jesus Christ is alive. These disciples were sent out. I mean, these that came to the tomb were sent out and said, you go. And as they went, in obedience to the command to you go, they met Jesus out there on the road. I want to say it one more time, as I said in my introduction, any person that is looking for God can find him. It's not a hide-and-seek game. He said, I have made myself so evident in creation. You hear me say this all the time because God reminds me all the time. My wife and I went to a nursery on, on Saturday, not my favorite thing to do, I'd rather go where there's wild turkeys or something, but we went to the nursery. We walked, and we walked, and we walked. But every turn of the corner was evidence of the creation of God. I tried to find one flower where the colors didn't coordinate. I tried to find one plant where the leaves did not match the the blooms. Just in my mind, I said, how do people go around and see all this and then come home and say, well, I'm convinced of this. There sure is no God. My neighbor took me out in in the backyard the uh, night before last. We looked up the stars. He showed me the Big Dipper and how, how... you know, you go north and south with this when you turn around this way and it points east and west that wherever you are on the globe, you can follow those two configurations and God's got a mark north and south and east and west. You can know where you are when you look up at the heavens. God is so real. You don't have to be there the day he rose from the grave. You can say, you ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. Nothing breaks my heart more than to see people, Christ followers, that believe they have to become like the world to reach the world. There's not anything any further from Scripture than that. God did not, Jesus did not try to infiltrate the ranks of the sinners. He just went about doing good. And he went to the well. He was there when the woman caught in adultery was brought to him. And he was always ready to give a reason for the hope that was in him. But when the religious Pharisees were on one side with the woman caught in adultery, Jesus was on here on the other side. And he dealt with it far differently than the world's church dealt with it. None of us can go away from here this morning... Underestimating the love of God, the desire of God, the willingness of God to make himself known to us, whether we are out in the darkest of night or in the brightest of day and the sun shining. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Mark 12, 37 says "And the common people heard Jesus gladly. In Mark: 122, and they were astonished at his teachings, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. God doesn't want us to blend in. He wants us to stand out. Amen. Have you ever been to a religious play where Jesus was a character and he was not immediately recognizable if you hadn't even heard the first song? Always in white? Always having that demeanor that's just, wow, that's the guy. That's the one. Folks, the biggest mistake the church has ever made is to try to believe that if we become like them, we will reach them. That has never worked, and it never will. We're not after the majority, because the Bible says broad in the ways that leads to destruction, and many go therein, but narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and few there are that find it. And just because everybody else does it like that, if it's not honoring to God, don't get it with the majority. Hell will be a lot bigger than heaven, and the broad road leads to all kinds of horrendous problems. If Jesus Christ is alive, then there's hope. I looked at some stuff this week. I just was curious. And I'd done it sometime. I can't even remember when. I think I might have been in college. But I just took some time to do it, and I did it again this week. Did you know that Muhammad, on the 8th day of June, 632, died and was buried? Muhammad. Muhammad is dead. You understand? He is dead. Do you understand that Jesus Christ is what? He is alive. He is risen. And Medina in Saudi Arabia is the grave of Muhammad. Buddha, the historical facts, was cremated. Buddha was. Confucius. is in a cemetery, the body, with 100,000 of his descendants, with 100,000. Joseph Smith is in the family cemetery in Nauvoo, Illinois. Mary Baker Eddy, Christian scientist, and Mount Auburn Cemetery in Cambridge, Massachusetts. The list goes on and on. But outside the eastern gates of Jerusalem, the tomb is empty. He is risen. I cannot understand what people say, but all religions are the same. Oh, no, my friend, they are not the same. They are either are following a dead God or they're following a live God. And right now, the only fact is Jesus Christ is risen from the grave. End of argument. It's not about us. It's not about who's the best bunch of folks on the planet. We're all sinners. But there is a Savior, and His name is Jesus. We sang in the church the song called The Solid Rock. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and His righteousness. We dare not trust the sweetest frame, but we wholly lean on what? Jesus' name. When darkness seems to hide His face, we rest on His unchanging grace. And every high and stormy gale, our anchor holds within the veil. Is it well with your soul? Do you really believe He's risen or do you just believe it's the right thing to do to come to church on Easter Sunday? Out of respect. God does not need your respect. He gets that from the angels and from the Father. He wants your obedience. He wants your love. He wants you to be grateful that he gave the life of his son in order that you could be adopted into the family. That's what he wants from you. He wants you to just respond to his love, and you will never get on the other side to where you say, God, you owe me one now. You will never be that good. I don't care what monastery you go to or what place in the country you like to sit by a tree. You will never get that pure. We are followers of Jesus Christ. The risen, living, soon-coming Christ has the power to cope with every problem we have in this life. He has the problem to solve all the problems in the world. Listen to Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen. Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, "'All power is given to me in heaven and in earth.'" Mark 2.10 says he's got the power to forgive sins. Mark 3.15, he has the power to heal sickness. In Luke 12, verse 5, he has the power to cast out devils. In Mark 6.7, he has the power over unclean spirits. If you think we have a problem in America, the Bible says the government that God approves will be on his shoulders He is a king, not just a resurrected Savior and Lord. He is authority, and all the authority and all the power is with Him. He was Lord and King when the Scripture was written. He is still Lord and King as we worship here today. He has not changed. We're the ones that have changed We are the ones that have drifted or ran away to join the majority that has run away. No matter how hard we try, listen to me, it does not matter how clear the writings of history are in our country, And I believe in the support of what our country's written, but let me tell you something. Biblically, there's no such thing as separation of church and state. I'm sorry, but there's not. You cannot separate church and state biblically. The government is upon his shoulders. He is in charge of the world. And for us to think our documents can override his documents and his word is a tragic mistake. And for people who want to know, oh, I just want to do everything that my government, America, lets me do, you better be careful. There is a higher authority. And that is the one that we will answer to one day. Jesus Christ cannot be separated from anything pertaining to life. Anything in your life, you cannot separate it from the Lordship of Christ. He made us. We're not our own. We are His. Christ is all and in all, according to Colossians 3, verse 11. So it doesn't matter how much we try to keep our families, our schools, our government, our world out of our life, we must understand that God is in control and he will make the final decision. When he comes back again and we stand before him, he will be the judge. There will not be an appointed judge, not by the Democrats, not the Republican. There won't be a Supreme Court. Jesus is Lord. But he loves us, <laughs> loves us. Oh, how he loved us. And God made this world, and the only thing that's going to hold it together is him. That's the reason missions is so important. That's the reason I encourage you today, as you leave, to make an offering in the boxes that are outside to help us carry the gospel to Houston and around the world. Don't let this be an Easter Sunday like every Easter Sunday was in my father's lifetime. He said you'll have the biggest crowd and the poorest offering on Easter Sunday of every Sunday of the year you have. My dad was a minister for 60-something years. We're to be givers and not takers. We don't understand we got a responsibility. There's still people who never heard the name of Jesus. Our job is to tell them. After World War I, the churches of Germany failed to take to heart the importance of bringing the hearts of the Germans to Jesus Christ. They just didn't do it. Nazism grew and inundated the country. And we know what happened with Adolf Hitler and the Second World War, and history goes on and on. Folks, we're on a battlefield. We're at war with the powers of darkness. We are standing on holy ground, though, when we stand. With the Lord Jesus Christ. We have one with us that has all power in heaven and in earth, but it's our responsibility to follow him. In the United States, we're promised in the Declaration of Independence life, liberty, and watch it the pursuit of happiness. We're not promised happiness. But we have opportunity to pursue it. But you know what? The only way you're going to find it is when you get a brand new life and get cleaned up by the blood of Jesus. And from that point on, he that's in you will be stronger than he that's in the world. And when you go out into the battlefield, and we all will, and fight on many different theaters of the battlefield, but when we go, we go under the power of his might. He loves his kids. He loves his children. He loves his church, the body of Christ, the family of God. But Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's where the joy comes. That's where the happiness comes. That's where we have some kind of of encouragement when our children are away from us or when we're away from our mate or when we're out in that very difficult battlefield of financial failure, health failure, relationship failures, and everything around us is falling down and we're waiting for a court verdict in some instances. And God says, listen, I'm the judge. I will handle this probably in a different way than the court will handle it. But whatever the court does and make their decision, you understand that, but then you come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will help you to know the truth that is the result of the first Easter when Jesus rose from the grave. But let me remind you before we go, the story is not over. Right now, Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father to make intercession for us. And all that we're going through, through the Holy Spirit, Jesus to the Father. But this Bible that prophesied the resurrection and recorded the resurrection has promised us that Jesus Christ is coming back to this earth again. And every doubter and every skeptic will see Because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, is Lord, King, ruler of the universe, holds the whole world in his hands, but he loves his kids. He loves his kids. And let me tell you something. When you walk with God, with the sword and the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod, In the the preparation of the gospel of peace, he says, I'm going to be with you. And when God's with you, there's not an enemy you'll come against that you don't win. But the moment you decide, I now know enough Bible. I don't have to walk with God anymore. I just know what he said. You better know the author and be reminded. It's the author we worship. We don't worship the written word. We worship the living word. And the written word reminds us over and over and over again from Genesis to Revelation, He's alive. In the garden, he was alive when he appeared to Adam and Eve. When John was on the Isle of Patmos in Revelation chapter 22, he is communicating as he's writing those last and final words. The Spirit and the bride say, come. If you ever thirst, come. And drink of the water of life freely. Have you ever done that? Have you ever left this world... And become a part of the next. And living one day at a time. But always looking for the resurrected Savior to show up. His joy cannot be taken away. John 16, And you now therefore have sorrow. But I'm going to see you again. And your heart shall rejoice. And your joy no man can take it from you. Wow. Wow. Isn't God wonderful? Isn't our Savior a one of a kind? You say, well, I can't love the unlovable. Paul couldn't either. The apostle Paul that wrote much of the New Testament. But it's interesting what he wrote in Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. That's where he found the change in his life. He said, I, I can't do it in the flesh. No, and I can't either, and neither can you. But I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. We can't live like Jesus and love like Jesus until we invite Jesus to come into our heart. And then when we come up against a wall, we say, Lord, would you take it from here? Would you take it from here? And he always does. When you come to know him, you're going to love him. When you, come, when you love him, you're going to begin to see over and over his power. New strength will come to you. New resources will come to you. New opportunities will come to you. And your expectations will grow in that one day it's all going to be settled. Not at the poles, but at the cross and the risen tomb. And the point where Jesus comes back and lands in Jerusalem and we become his children forever and ever in a place away from where we are right now.